Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. So if you have if you have a boss or in this case a master who is a believer and you're a believer that doesn't give you the right to just slack off. And we can say like, well, you know, that's no, this was happening. This happens today. This happens today. Listen, a little insight into my life. I worked at a church for 13 years. There were probably more days than I than I can would like to even admit the fact that I I took time slacking off. I abused that privilege. As a Christian, you're called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God here on earth, a representative of Christ. And what better place to shine the light of the Lord than in your workplace? In today's message, Pastor James will encourage you to do your job with excellence no matter what. When you choose to give your all at your job, that shows that people with a relationship with Christ are honest and hardworking people. Being respectful and kind in your workplace opens all kinds of doors to share the gospel. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 as Paul encourages this young protege, Timothy, really just what contentment is. But before we get there, verses 1 through 2, these are really connected to the previous chapter as we were dealing with, you know, how to take care of widows within the church and define what a real widow is, who should be on the list of helps concerning the church. She needs to be 60 and above. She needs to be a true widow. She needs to have had a good testimony. She needs to be faithful. And oftentimes they were serving within the church. And Paul tells Timothy, yes, sign those ladies up to help them out. They have no family. So the church has to become their family. Has to, right? Now, there are other widows. They have family. Or maybe it's a young, a, a young woman. Remarry. Have a family. Raise your family. That's Paul's encouragement to Timothy. Because the tendency was, we'll get signed up on the, the church's help list, and then we'll become lazy. We won't work when we can work because we're getting free stuff all the time. Paul says, that's not okay. It's not acceptable. Not acceptable. We have to wisely steward the resources that God gives to His church, uh, and, and that can't be that can't be squandered on individuals who have the ability to work and to do stuff. Right? Paul's telling Timothy, you can't can't cater to that. So we dealt with the widows. We also dealt with the elders within the church. Um, and those who are concerning even the ones who are uh, leading the church and shepherding the church, and listen, if they rule well, they're worthy of pay. Pay the pay him pay the man the money, right? Pay him his money. If he's give him double honor. If he's if he's you know sticking to the word of God and he's in the word of God and he's I mean this is he's committed to the word of God and faithfully studying and faithfully teaching and living it out. Yeah. Give the give him some money. That's that's what Paul says. It's totally fine. It's okay. It's actually biblical. Um, and then he talks about, you know, just the elders and, and dealing with these things for Timothy and his stomach and a little bit of wine for your stomach, purifying that water. That's fine. And then we get into this last little section here, dealing with bond servants or slaves and their masters. Verse one, it says of chapter six, let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor so that the name of God 
and his doctrine or his teaching may not be blasphemed. Uh, and this is New Living Translation up here. Uh, but Paul's encouragement to, to the, the bondservants within the church and the masters of the bondservants, because at this point in time, within Rome, you have estimated upwards of 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, okay? Um, that's, a, that's a major thing. Slavery back then, it was, it was a major thing. So as Rome goes around conquering, maybe they conquer some people, uh, and the ones that they don't kill, they'll bring in, in with them, and you're now a slave. So what the church was experiencing during this time was you could have where you show up and then your boss, so to speak, shows up at the same church, okay? Could cause some problems. It shouldn't, but it could, all right? Especially if you're not being a good worker. If you're not being a good worker and then you're going to church and then your boss is over there, there could be some tension. Or maybe you're a good worker, but your boss is, maybe he's a lousy boss. There's always could be some friction there. Paul's encouragement to the bond servants is, listen, you work, work hard, work well. Um, show full respect to your masters, but they don't, they're not worthy of it. No, but God is worthy of it. You got a boss, you're, you're employed by somebody, you give all that you got to that job. I mean, that's how I was raised. I was raised that way. I, had, uh, a, a, I have a mom who, uh, every, from the moment I can remember, she has worked hard. All the time, all the, all the time. So we, we, we watched our mom as a hard worker, multiple jobs at times and all that good stuff, especially growing up poor. She's working as many jobs as she can. Older brothers, they're working jobs. Um, I, as the youngest sibling, got to watch my older siblings develop this work ethic as well. Uh, one of the mentors in my life is, is one of my older brothers. He pours into me constantly. Uh, he's, a, he's now a business coach. He owned his own heating and air business, which was successful. He sold that off, and now he's a business coach. And he coaches me to a certain extent. But his, his thing for me, I actually worked for him for a while too, but uh, his, his advice to me as I was growing up was, he's like, I don't care who your boss is. I don't care what your boss is like. You show up and you work hard, period, period. You don't like your boss and you don't like the environment, well, then maybe find another job. But if you're committed to these people and to this company, then you give them all you have. You give them all you have. Because when it's time for you, when it's time for you to leave, you don't want them celebrating the fact that you're leaving. You want them mourning the fact that you're leaving because you were such a faithful worker. Like that, that was instilled in me as a, as a young kid. Um, and I've tried to do that. I haven't always been the best. I had many jobs. When I was a teenager, I had several jobs where I was not a good employee. Um, I just was not. I was lazy and all that good stuff. But what has been instilled in me and what Paul is encouraging these bond servants of these slaves is, listen, you show your master's respect. Why? Because you're a believer. Because you're a believer. And how you treat other people is a direct reflection of your relationship with God. So if you're being disrespectful, and they know you're a believer, but you're being disrespectful, well, how is that going to translate into, as far as their perspective of your relationship with God? So Paul tells them, listen, you're under the yoke, count your own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his teaching and his doctrine may not be blasphemed or spoken against. Or bring shame upon the name of God and his teaching. 
So we got to be watchful. We got to we got to be aware that when we're out there, when we're working, people are watching us. They're watching us. Your bosses, they're watching you. This doesn't mean you have to become a doormat. Okay, I think I should say this. It doesn't mean that you have to become a doormat where you just let people walk all over you because you're like, well, I should because I'm a Christian. I should let people take advantage of me. No, 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 that's not okay. That is not okay. No, listen, um, if, if, if your boss is requiring something of you that is ethical and legal, just do it the best that you can. If it becomes illegal or unethical, then don't do it. You have, you stand your ground. You stand firm. You say, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Right? So we're, we don't, we're not pushovers. We're not, we're not doormats. Um, but we're going to be the hardest workers that are there. We're going to be the hardest workers that are there when we show up. I still have a boss. I have a boss. He lives, like I told you guys already, um, 13th and Sealy. Go knock on his door. Anytime you want, go knock on his door and ask him what kind of an employee I am. Um, I give my all to him. I give my, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, from 8 a.m. to about 4.30, sometimes 5, he's got me. He's got me. Whatever you want, I'll do it. I'll do it to the best of my abilities. I will give you all that I have, 100%. 100%. Um, so that's, that's just kind of, that's my mode of like how I like to work. I mean, I, I just like to do that because that also translates for him and especially for my boss who knows that I'm a pastor of a church. That, that reflects back onto, he thinks like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you have a relationship with Jesus, and that kind of is reflected through your work ethic. That's kind of what, that's what we want. We want people to see the Lord Jesus through us and how we work. So with uh, bond servants, and so, and, and let me just bring this up too, because this word slave, this is, um, this is a, an unfortunate thing for sure. Uh, this, this subject matter comes up quite often, especially nowadays. Um, some people have issues with the Bible because slavery is in the Bible. Let me tell you this. Slavery was not God's idea. Okay? We need to understand that. Who invented slavery? Humanity invented slavery. All right? So then why didn't God just come through and, put a, and squash it and all that? You can't read through the Gospels. You cannot read through the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus and not see the fact that he is, everything he says is contrary to what slavery is. Read through the Gospels. If you know somebody who has issues with like, I just can't, I can't, you know, I can't get into the Bible because, because of the slavery issue, you say, read through the Gospels. See what Jesus said about humanity. See how, watch how Jesus treated individuals regardless of their ethical ba- or their, you know, their backgrounds, whether they be a Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus treated her with the same amount of respect that he treated everybody else, right? So in case you come across that, or in case that's a hangup, or you know somebody that's a hangup, listen, the Bible, and even, even go back through uh, when the law was being established. I mean, God was looking out for Slavery was already in full effect during that time period, and there was people who were owned by other people were being abused and mistreated, and it's happened. It's all throughout history. It's still happening today. Slavery is still alive and well today, um, and people have despised people, have looked down upon people, but God is, is really the champion of humanity in the sense that he has created us in his own image, and he has a lot to say about that and how we treat each other. So on the issue of slavery, the Bible is not for slavery, just to be clear. 
Just to be clear, the Bible is very clear on how we as humans ought to treat each other and love each other and respect each other and not use and abuse each other. That's the, the Bible speaks totally against that. Um, cause I know that sometimes that comes up and there's a lot of false doctrine that's out there concerning that and, and speaking of different people groups. Uh, it, you know, the Bible speaks that they were, they are, they're supposed to be slaves. No, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. Every human being has been created in the image of God. Every human being matters. Matters. They matter to the Lord Jesus. They should matter to us. Okay. But with this issue, Paul is addressing the fact that, okay, this is a reality. You got 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And the reality is you're going to have slaves showing up to go to church and they're saved and they're following Jesus. But then you're also going to have some of these masters showing up to go, you know, going to church because they're saved and they're following Jesus. So let's say you have this scenario of a, a servant who's born again and a master who's born again. Well, how do we, how, what, what's, what should we do there in that, in that scenario? Verse two. Those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are, because they are brethren, but rather to serve them because, uh, because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. So if you have, if you have a boss, or in this case, a master who is a believer and you're a believer, that doesn't give you the right to just slack off, right? And we can say like, well, you know, that's, no, this was happening. This happens today. This happens today. Listen, a little insight into my life. I worked at a church for 13 years. There were probably more days than I, than I can, would like to even admit the fact that I, I took time slacking off. I abused that privilege. I wasn't given it my all because, well, I'm, you know, I'm overseeing these ministries and all this good stuff. And yeah, I got a boss and you know, he's a believer and all this stuff. And there were times where I wasn't giving 100%. And that was wrong on my part. I sin in that scenario, right? When I'm not giving my all, especially when my boss is a believer. And sometimes you can get this mindset of like, well, they're a believer and we're good. And, you know, we're just going to, you know, they understand. It's cool. We're buddies. We go to church together and all that stuff. Nonsense. It's nonsense. I don't care if your boss is a believer. They're a believer. Then you should work hard for them as well. Right? You don't take advantage of the fact that, that you're in the same small group or home Bible study together. You don't take advantage of them. If you are the employee, you work hard whether your boss is saved or not saved. You give them all you got. You give them all you got because everything that we do reflects God's glory. It reflects back to the Lord. And so, and if you've got a believer who is, you know, who is running a business, then man, you want that business to excel and succeed, and you want to be a part of that because they're a believer, and their mo their 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 motivation, hopefully, is that of like, man, the, we want the Lord to grow this business, and we can do great things. You want to be a part of that team. You want to be a part of that, not contrary to that, not dead weight that they're having to drag around, saying like, man, I just wish you'd you know kind of pick it up a little bit. No, let that never be said of us. Let it never be said of us. Paul's just exhorting Timothy within this realm of like, listen, when you have this, and Timothy more than likely had these, these issues coming up because that's why Paul's addressing it. Here's how you deal with it. Here's how you encourage these guys. You encourage, you encourage the ones who are maybe owned by somebody else. You work hard. 
work hard. Glorify God by your hard work. You got a believing boss, you work hard, and you glorify God by your hard work. Hard work. Man, that's a, seems like something that's gone by the wayside nowadays, right? Isn't that the the main complaint? It's, It's so hard to find good hard workers. Like, I remember that's one thing that my brother, and I know some other guys who own businesses, and they're like, it's just, where are, the, where are the hard workers at? Where are the hard workers at? May that never be said of Christians. May it never be said of Christians. Christians should be the hardest workers, period. Should be the hardest workers, giving all that you have, all that you have. All right. So there, that kind of closes up that last section there. Now let's get into um, just this final exhortation towards Timothy, a final reminder for us as well, something to, to kind of be on guard against, especially <laughs> this really couldn't be more fitting, I think, in this season, this holiday season, Christmas season. Uh, verse 3, it says, if anyone teaches otherwise concerning, uh, you know, concerning not just the, the, the slaves and the masters, but really in, in dealing with um, just different groups of individuals within the church, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine or teaching, again, which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men, uh, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Okay, so you kind of wrap up all that Paul has said to Timothy at chapter 1 through this point, this point within chapter 6, and he's talking about, okay, everything that we covered, Timothy, everything that we've covered, if anybody teaches otherwise or contrary to what I have taught you, um, he goes on to say, uh, you need to, you need to, you need to be on guard for these, from these guys, concerning these guys. But here are some ways that you will know them. Uh, and so he lists, you know, all this stuff. These, these individuals, um, who reject really the teaching of Jesus and are holding fast to basically their own interpretations of truth. Um, they're proud. They're arrogant. Right? That's just another way of saying that. Um, they're, they're prideful people. They, they cannot put themselves into submission to the authority of the Word of God, which would also mean that they can't put themselves into the submission of the elders and the leaders of the church. They can't do it. They're too prideful. So they're not going to. These guys are going to end up causing trouble, though. So they're, 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 they're proud. Here's the other thing, knowing nothing. Isn't that the most annoying thing? A know-it-all who knows nothing, right? Um, I, was, I was that as a teenager, okay? I'm just going to say it. That's me. Um, there was nothing my mom could tell me that I didn't already know. And yet, miraculously, I knew nothing at all. I didn't know anything. Um, I wish I'd spent more time listening to her and maybe to, to other people as well. But man, this is like, this was me in a nutshell. I was pride, prideful. I was arrogant. You couldn't teach me anything new. You couldn't. You couldn't teach me anything new. I didn't care what you had to say. I don't care about your experience. I don't care about, no, 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 no. That's your life. That's not my life. And I'm going to, I know it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Man, I was clueless. Um, Praise God that uh, you can navigate through those times when I, when, once I got married, and especially once I started having kids, 
this light bulb came on in my head, and I'm like, oh, man, I didn't know anything. Um, I, even now, I'm like 38 years old, I think. Um, every day I wake up, and I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what happened, um, but I just feel like I, I know less and less every day. Um, I just feel like I know less and less, especially as I read through the Word and, and enjoy the Word of God and walk with Jesus. I'm like, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. Um, but he's a great teacher, and we can learn. But these these individuals who who are you know creeping in within the church, they're, they're prideful. Uh, they they don't they talk a lot, but they don't really know. They don't have an understanding of what they're talking about. And, and what you need to understand about this group of people is it's all a front, it's all a facade. Okay, um, so they're they're obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. Right? You you ever get caught up in somebody's? Um, uh, conversations with individuals. They just want to argue about words and meanings and all this stuff. We famously had a president at one point in time who so boldly uh, brought this up in, in an address where he was accused of, you know, um, really uh, having relations with a lady inside the office, you know, hit the White House. And he's like, well, you know, what does it mean? Or whatever that was at that point in time. I'm like, are you kidding me? Let's dispute the meaning of the word so that we can get, we're going around the issue. I don't want to talk about the issue, but we'll, we'll talk about words and define this. What does that really mean? And all this stuff. We, we saw with uh, Pontius Pilate and Jesus, what is truth? You understand that that's a tactic to dodge what's being presented to him at that moment in time, okay, concerning salvation, truth, Jesus is truth, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and Pilate's like, truth, well, what really is truth? What is truth? That's dodging those things. These guys don't really want to deal with the good, the, the hard issues of anything, but they want to, they want to you know, out of the arrogance and the, the pridefulness and their knowledge that they have, they want to, well, let's dispute terms. Let's talk about terms. Again, these are just earmarks of who these, who these guys are, how, how Timothy would know them. They, he would know them by, their, by basically their fruit or their works there. Um, so they want to dispute and argue over words from which the disputes and all this stuff, it's going to come envy, strife, uh, reviling. Um, let's see here. Reviling. I'm, trying to, I'm looking at New Living, that's New Living Translation too. Uh, and evil suspicions. Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds. They, their minds are corrupt. This is how we get to these places. And destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Um, and here's a uh, show of godliness. It's just a way to become wealthy. This, this is really the, the characteristics of those who are religious within the church at this point in time. Uh, they know how to talk all this stuff. Uh, they're philosophy, they know philosophy. They're, again, they're, they're intelligent individuals. They know a lot, but they know nothing. In all their knowledge, they really know nothing, is what Paul's saying here. They look the part. They may sound the part, but they're putting on a show. They're putting on the show so that really the, the end, the, the means to their end is, is wealth. It's riches. I'll look the part. I'll put on the performance so that I get more money. Really, they are actors, okay? These were like, these are actors in the church. And, and they were creeping into the church, and they were very, very prominent within the religious world. And Jesus had many run-ins, and, you know, whether it be the scribes or the Pharisees, those who were continually presenting themselves as, as you know, representatives of God. However, they were not because they had no relationship with him. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. In it, you'll notice much advice and instruction is given. The Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy and helping guide him in ministry. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard here on Bread for the Broken. You can find more teachings by Pastor James by visiting our website, breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in or near the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. or Thursday at 7 p.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're unable to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is up, we'd like to ask if you'd consider partnering with us. We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for all of those who are part of our listening audience. Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. We hope you'll join us again for another edition as Pastor James continues in 1 Timothy here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.